You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 297. I'm Tim Robertson, and that's David Cohen over there. Hello. Hello. So, you know, we're talking a few minutes here before we actually start recording. Starting to coordinate our activities for this July's Mac stock. I know I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. I think the Mac Voices that I did a week ago or so comes out this weekend or something. Uh, I don't know. I'll tweet about it. Follow us on Twitter, and uh, I'll post yeah, a link, and I'll post I, it on I our will, site. I will be trying to schedule my session with um, with Chuck this week yeah. for that. So, you know, when when you go to a place like MacStock, and you've got multiple people that you kind of want to hang out with, like you and I. Uh, yeah. Now, last year we shared a hotel room, mm-hmm. and uh, this year we're not. <laughs> You've been exposed to yeah. my uh, to my my snoring. Oh, I do it too. Uh, oh yeah, no, but not not me. I mean, you you are. A, I'm an amateur. You're a rank, you're a rank amateur compared to me. So, uh, for uh, anybody who's who's never actually seen me in the flesh, which obviously is most of you, uh, I'm not a small person. I'm a fairly big guy, and I've always had problems with snoring. But as I've gotten older and I've gotten heavier, I've developed um, sleep apnea. Which actually Guy Searle also has. Yeah. So obstructive sleep apnea is when when you fall asleep, as all your muscle tone relaxes because you're falling asleep, effectively what happens is all the kind of airways in your head collapse and you start choking. Um, you don't kind of, it's not like choking like somebody's got you around the neck. It basically it's a subtle process. Right. But what hap- what happens is that is that for a start you snore really badly because the air going through all this soft flapping stuff in your head just makes this horrendous horrendous noise you you may think you've heard snoring you've heard nothing until you've heard this and i even know this because if i fall asleep without um my treatment on for it uh i can wake myself up by the noise (laughs) i start to make yeah that is how bad it is well Um, having shared a room with both you and guy searle i'm an amateur you're a collegiate player and guy is a uh, almost a retired professional. Well, the reason for that is that when God travels, he doesn't take his treatment with him. The treatment for sleep apnea is a um, positive pressure airway machine. So it's, you kind of wear a face mask, a bit like a, a like a fighter pilot. Uh, um, and that's plugged into a machine that basically blows air into oh, looks like we lost David on uh, our new favorite service, which is fine. So I would see if I can reconnect with them. So that's a nice little uh, pleasant sound of Vine when you uh, call someone. And it sounds like he dropped off completely, which means he probably lost his internet connection or or not. Hello, I'm here. Oh, I'm okay, here. he made it. Yeah. Obviously, my snoring put the machine to sleep. Yeah. Is that <laughs> what happened? Your machine went to sleep? Yeah. Yeah. Got to go up there and touch the trackpad every now and then. I know, yeah. So, so uh, well, well, yeah. So, I, basically, what happens? You have to wear this machine to um, to not make it so bad. Now, Guy never travels with his machine. No. So that's why when you share a hotel room with him, it has been awful, and Guy always looks absolutely shattered on these trips because 
you know, you go to Macworld or somewhere like that, you're doing a full day, a lot of walk. He's going home, he's going back to the hotel night, and he's not sleeping properly. Yeah. And I've had this conversation with him several times, and you kind of get the always the guy starts up. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, and he and he gives you that thing which is saying, "I'm listening to you. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not taking any notice." So, yeah, I hear I, you. I had my team with me, but but it still bothered you. Yeah, because uh, uh, not me is the snoring machine. So, um, so you're you're, you're calling it now. You you're going to sleep in the opposite side of the hotel from me. Uh, probably a different hotel. Right. Okay. So you were actually now, using mail to try to to figure yeah. out which hotel you're staying at. I I actually got mine in Apple's Notes, um, right. and just, and Notes and Mail have the same problem, which is the search sucks. It's it's terrible. Yeah, it's I, just I mean, terrible. Look, I understand. I have a lot of mail in my inbox. I'm I'm one of these people who doesn't really ever clear anything out. I do tend to delete spam and things like that, but um, I'm not great at filing things. I know some people like to file them out. I don't. So I have a, you know, a big inbox. But I'm, I'm just searching for a booking mail that I did just the other day. So you'd imagine that would just pop straight up as soon as you put it in. No. So I, I was searching and I was searching. And this happened to me last night. I was looking for this booking again last night. And it took me probably about 20 minutes to find it. First of all, I was, I was searching for terms that weren't actually in the email. But even once I'd narrowed down... I'm searching for a hotel, Crystal Lake, because I know that's in the address. I'm looking, I'm searching for the brand name of the hotel and nothing's coming back. And it's just, search really is a, is a solved problem nowadays and it just shouldn't be this bad. And yet it is. I think the search function in macOS is the worst part of macOS. I think it is the one thing above all others that is totally, totally broken. And I don't think Apple, it's even on Apple's radar to fix it. I don't even think they think it's a problem. And it's yeah, totally to, a huge problem. To be honest with you, um, as somebody who uses Windows machines for a living, it's not really any better on the Windows side. You know, they, they make this great big deal about Cortana and integrated Windows search and everything like that. You know what? The web search is great. Cortana works really well, but it's lousy at searching on a Windows computer for stuff. And, you know, the searching on the web is fine but i didn't i i actually resorted to this last night i ended up going to outlook.com on a web browser to find that that booking mail in the end because the server side search on there was brilliant yeah you know it came straight up but the problem is if i have a copy of that same mail and it's relatively recent on my local devices on my mac on my i, I tried it on my ipad as well it was the same i expect to be able to get a similar experience and you just don't the only way i can seem to get notes to work and mail is it's it's completely broken I, i'll do a search and i'll get so many nonsensical those keywords aren't even in there right it's like what why are yeah. you it, it makes no sense um yeah. but if i actually tag notes with certain words and in notes and apple's notes it's easy yeah. to find something but why should i have to do that i mean i tag my hotel reservation with the tag MacStock2017. Why should yeah. I have to do that? I know. The whole point about having a computer is you sh you know, particularly with these modern, supposedly intelligent um, systems, is you shouldn't need to tag anything. Right. You know, if I get an email that's a confirmation that I have a hotel reservation, why can't I just bring up Siri and go, show me my upcoming hotel reservations? 
Yeah. Because unless I actually added it to my calendar or something, it has no idea. It doesn't look. It doesn't seem to look through my mail, even though I know it searches mail. It doesn't look and go logically. Uh, this is a hotel. This is a confirmation booking. This is probably what he's talking about. Yeah. And just show that. Show me that. But it, it can't do well, that. So here's the thing, right? And the latest version of um, of mail on the iPhone. I've got my iPhone here. Yeah, when I finally find the the um, the the mail with with the booking in, and and I actually open it, at that point, mail recognises the hotel booking because it, it immediately asks me if I want to put put the booking in the, in my calendar. Right. So it's got that level of intelligence, but it, that doesn't really help you. The search doesn't work. And I, I, look, I'm looking for it again here, and, and this is what was happening to me last night. For some reason, if I search for a phrase on uh, iOS in the mail application, the first thing that starts popping up are mails from 2015. Right, that's helpful. And then if I, wait, if I wait long enough, then the recent mails come in. And, and, now, and now at the top of the screen is the, is the reservation that I'm looking for. Now, I understand well, why it does it that way, because it's already indexed those emails, and the system is more aware of them than the newer ones. Yeah, but... Isn't the new file so system supposed to fix that, <laughs> Well, if you yeah, if you're looking for something, it, I don't think it's an unreasonable assumption to assume that you're looking for the most recent thing, not the thing from three years ago. I would agree. And, with and you. it seems completely arbitrary. Well, let's start with the stuff that three years ago. But yeah, it's it's coming. I'm, I'm looking at it now, and it's it's got a little calendar I can top one event found. And if I click on this, it adds it to my calendar as a as a properly identified. It's got the hotel name. It's got the hotel address. It's got the timings of when I'm staying there, when I'm leaving there. Um, it's even putting the telephone number in the notes field at the bottom, which is exactly what I want. But why doesn't it do that as soon as I receive the mail? Why, well, doesn't it, why doesn't it kind of do that in the background? And then when you say, show me my hotel reservation, Siri knows exactly what I'm talking about, even if it's not actually put it in my calendar. Well, there is an, uh, an issue that I know is going around on Apple's products that if a spammer sent you a calendar invite, it would just automatically add it and it was spam and it was a big problem. And I, I had actually seen that myself Yeah, and that is an issue, but yeah. you would think Apple would be smart enough to address these issues, but putting all that aside, why is search local desktop search? On, on phones or computers, fundamentally broken to the point that you cannot even rely on it. Yeah. I've Just got a file on my desktop right now. Let me see. It's called Left Off at My Mac. And this is, I'm doing, um, I haven't done it in a while, to be honest, but uh, retagging things. So Left mm -hmm. Off at My Mac. Let's see if uh, the first thing it shows me is... Somebody named Mike Clark. I literally typed in the name of the file that I could see on my desktop. So the top hit is Mike Clark. And it looks like an, uh, what is this? It's an email from, uh, I went past it. Okay. So this is an email. The first thing it shows me from 2014. And it's right. me sending uh, an email. To, oh, I know what this is. You remember when I bought my first uh, 
arcade thing. Yeah. That's what this is. That's who, that's who I bought it from a guy named Mike Clark, uh, in August of 2014. And that's the first hit. How is that the first hit? If I typed in left off at my Mac, there's a file on my desk, exactly the same name. So it's not in the, uh, it's the third search down the third, not the first. Yeah. Why wouldn't this be the very first thing? I, I don't. I don't get it. That yeah. that is fundamentally broken. Yeah. I mean, even if I go to Google and type in, you know, um, I don't know, Pepsi, the first thing is going to be Pepsi dot com. I would imagine. Yeah. But if I have a a, a file well, named no, Pepsi, it's not going to be the first one. To be fair, uh, the first thing when you go to Google and type in Pepsi will be a sponsored ad from something to do with Pepsi at the top of the screen, oh, let's which find out. may may or may not be what you're actually looking for. I got bit by this the other day. What happened? I, I, I Oh, that's right. There was a car parked outside my house, and it's been there for about four days, and I wanted to check whether it, it was validly road taxed or not. Now, in the past, we used to have a little... Um, you, when you when you paid this tax every year, it's about um, depending on the on the size of the engine of the car, it's anywhere between thirty and one hundred and fifty two hundred pounds per car per year. In the in the past, you used to have a little tag that actually went in the um, it was a disc that went in the windshield. Now they got rid of those a couple of years ago, and they said, oh no, it's all going online now, so you won't have anything that that shows you. Just basically, you'll have to check on a website. So I searched. In Google, for the um, I put I put in DVLA road tax check in Google, and the first thing that came up, um, the first link, was actually a sponsored ad for a company that was charging people via their mobile phone bill to do these searches, even though if you go to the right website, they're free. Yeah. Yeah. So their Google is basically. Because helping spammers and scammers. money off somebody. They're helping that company scam people by yep. taking money for something that's free. You're right. That's exactly what's happening. It's disgusting. Yeah. But I'm staying at the uh, Comfort Inn, by the way. Yeah. No, no I'm, at, I'm at the same place. Oh, are you? So. Oh. Awesome. What floor? I've got to make sure I can change mine. <laughs> I don't know. I suggest <laughs> what we do is, is arrive there together, and when we check in, then you can say, wherever you're going to put this guy, I want to be as far from him as possible. I thought that was the same hotel because I, one of the pictures, when I did the image search, I can see that there's there was Guy Cyril last year crossed. So. Yeah. Oh, you know, this well, has we, a pool. Well, I think we were at the country in last year, which is the one across the car park from there. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah yes, you're right. I remember it had all yes. the weddings in it because it, was, it yep. had that rustic thing going. Yeah. Uh, this one has a pool, which I will never use, but I don't know. I don't like, I, I like swimming. I like pools, but I don't know. The idea of, hey, guys, let's go back to the hotel and go swimming in the pool. I know, yeah. It's um, not only that. We, we're not there for an awful long time. It's not like we're going to have time no. for doing that. Uh, two nights. Two nights and three days, basically, because I get in on Friday and then Saturday and Sunday. So, yeah. well, I guess that's two nights, isn't it? Two nights and three days. That's going to be fun. I, I, you know, I really do hope the people listening 
some of you anyways, comes to MaxTalk, it's, it's going to be a really good time. It's not expensive. Uh, the hotels are relatively cheap compared to where you would usually get hotels in bigger cities. Um, and there's going to be a lot of fun people there. You, you're going to see people that you've either listened to on another podcast, you've seen online, uh, and David and I will be there. And, and look, if you're listening to this, you know two people that are going to be there. And we would love to meet as many as you as possible. It, it would it'd be... Yeah. We go out and get dinner, have a good time. It'd be a good time. Yeah, and you now know which hotel I'm staying in. So yeah, so you can uh, stalk if us. You wanna, if, you, if you want to listen to my snoring, then yeah. by all means, come stay in the same place. Yeah, you can stalk us and listen to snoring. That'd be fun. <laughs> I actually, I do. Re- I do recall. I was quite impressed last year that there was quite a few people I spoke to who'd driven the kind of across the country to go. I kind of turned it into like a week's road trip. Well, Bob Wood from my Mac did. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I thought that was you know, that's not the sort of thing we do here in Britain because it's not big enough, right? <laughs> you know, you can you can drive from one end to the other in less than a day if you if you go at it. So uh, people just don't do that sort of thing here. No, they do here. It's a yeah. it's a thing here. Yep. I like I like Google uh, Street Views. I I like going yeah. to places that I go to frequently to see if I can see my car. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing. This is the thing. Google is is so full of, you know. I mean, they they invented that. They they came up with that idea. Yeah. Um, they're so full of great ideas and innovation and that sort of stuff. And then often they also do things that are really kind of creepy and horrible. Well, <laughs> you could kind of like say that problem, about. Well, so if I do a search for Street View, Google's uh, instant Street View. Is this Google? Yeah, I guess it is. Let's see if I can see my house. Could be some somebody cashing in with an ad. Oh, look! There's my house, and it's an old picture. It's uh, there used to be a way to tell what year. Wasn't there? I don't. I've never seen that before. Hmm. Yeah, because it was a toggle. I remember seeing a toggle that. It would show you the different dates that it took the picture, so you can like go back in time. But I don't know this; it doesn't seem to be on this page. But the one that's up there right now is a few years old because it's it's got two of our old or older vehicles there, and uh, we were going through a drought because all my neighbors have brown lawns, but mine's green, and you could actually see my hose um, coming out and watering the lawn. My sprinkler. So here's this problem again. I've just done the same as you and typed in Google Street View. And the first hit that comes up is this thing called Instant Google Street View. But it's not a Google That's what I hit. That's that's what I saw. This is is a guy at Slovakia who's who's using the Google Maps API to generate this. Why would Google do that to themselves? Yeah. In fact, if I do that, because now I'm on the actual Street View... In fact, Google, yeah, the the yeah the 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 actual Google Street View thing, which Google dot com slash Street View is uh, uh, three three yep. links down. Yep, I'm seeing the same thing. And the and yeah. there is the it says Street View on mine. It says July 2012. Um, it basically has two for my house, one from September 2008 and one from 2012. Did they give up on so, doing these regularly? 
Uh, I don't know. I just think I think they've got a lot of places to go to. Um, I mean, for instance, my house, if I go and look at it on Street View, it looks like a car park because that's what was there the last time they were there. Yeah. And since then, the car park was demolished and uh, my house has been built on it. So. Well, that's a, that's a point. I'm wondering if they're not really actively doing that anymore. Oh, I'm sure they are. I just think they they swing by as often as they swing by and, you know. So, so far, it's every four or five years. I, I would imagine in the cities it's probably more frequent, but uh, I don't know. You, I, you would think they just hire more people and get an updated view every year. Well, is there any money in that? Is there any money in that? Well, obviously they're, you know, they're. Uh, well, what is that? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I think there is because they uh, they're obviously charging somebody because there's ads. They're not even showing their own ones yet. You know what I mean? I mean, it's mm-hmm. not the first results, not theirs. Yeah, that's well, that's crazy. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure a day will come with Street View where, when you click on it, it will superimpose. You know, you if you if you if you're virtually driving down the street and you see a pizza place, when you actually look at it through Street View, it will superimpose an ad for that place on top. Hmm. You know, with their menu and special offers and that sort Probably, of thing. Probably, yeah. <laughs> you know. it's, it could be a cool thing if, if they could really keep it super up-to-date with uh, VR and stuff like that. That would be kind of neat. Yeah. I, I mean, look. But you could only walk on, down the road. Right? I mean, you couldn't, you know, go around your house or go fly above yeah. it or anything. Maybe, and nor yeah. I, and nor I don't think I'd want them to do that anyways. No. No, you don't want them updating it every day. <laughs> No, probably not. That'd be kind of weird. That'd be be creepy. I'd I'd say with drones, I mean, one day I'd imagine they'll do this via drone rather than actually having a car drive around. Maybe then they can do it more more frequently. Yeah, you're sitting outside and they're right down the street. There goes a drone about 30 feet off the ground. That'd be cool. (laughs) You know, everybody would be shooting at it in the U.S. Yeah, well, that's the problem, isn't it? My, My brother bought a drone and he showed me some video from it recently. This is a um, this is a new one. It's called the DJI DJI Mavic, um, and it's a tiny little Sorry, how do how do you spell that? Mavic M A V I C. Okay. Yeah, and it folds up into a tiny little container, um, but it has a really great camera in it, and and this is like it's, it's about a thousand dollars. This thing. Um, but so so this is this is the kind the this is kind of when when people talk about drones this is what they're really thinking about they're not talking about the ones you know for about 40 50 bucks where basically unless you have ninja remote control skills it kind of swings around the sky like a drunken sailor right this is the one that basically flies itself you tell it where to go and it's rock solid stable it's got a stabilized camera on it um and it actually transmits a live picture to your smartphone as it's flying so you kind of mount, mount your phone on the remote, and then you get a live picture, and that live picture works over about three-quarters of a mile. Um, and I tell you, this thing is amazing. Uh, he he was sending a good way. He took it up about 500 feet in the sky, and you could see all his whole area in incredible detail. Um, and, the, you know, kind of anyway, I'd never seen his house before. I'd never been to his house in France. Um, so he, he'd done a, a video that's like a virtual tour of the outside of his house. It was you could see his kids playing in the garden. It was it was an amazing thing. It really was. It filled me with techno lust. Well, Jim Felder, 
Um, I don't know if he's still a listener, but he used to be. And mm-hmm. I'm friends with him on Facebook, and he was doing for a while there in Southern California, or maybe it was Northern California, I forget now, uh, live Facebook streaming of his drone. And that would go up to like three or four miles away. Yeah. And he would be sitting there talking and looking at the Facebook chat feed and flying the same around. It was it was pretty cool. Yeah, this is a similar sort of class. This one will um this one flies for about half an hour and it'll go about eight miles um on 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 a single charge. Obviously if you fly eight miles and then it runs out of charge you've got a long trip to go get it yeah. back. But um you know, they, yeah, this is uh it basically is you know those big white DJI drones, the Phantoms yeah. that everyone had a few years ago. This yeah. is basically the same thing, but shrunk down into something far more portable. Um, and I believe these are the absolute bomb. My, my brother's very happy with it. it so. It's cool and scary technology at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So let's take a quick break, and uh, Dave and I will be right back. Back here on Tech Fan Podcast 297. I'd uh, love to get feedback from you guys. We do have some uh, from Donnie Yankelo. We'll get to that in a few minutes. The email address is theshow at techfanpodcast.com or simply go to either mymac.com or techfanpodcast.com and leave a comment, which is what Donnie did, and we will read it right here on the show. But first, we want to thank our sponsor this week, which is, you'll never guess who it is. Maxels.com. Yes, it is MaxSales.com. You're good. Yeah. Uh, they've actually been sponsoring us for uh, over a year. Wow. Or right around a year, I guess. About a, about a year. That's a long time for one sponsor to be sponsoring a show. And, uh, you know, we couldn't appreciate it more. Seriously. And, yep. you know, I used to be an employee at, at Max Sales, David. And so, obviously, I know quite a few people there. Um And that helps when you're talking about products in a company that if you were actually an employee there, you can kind of talk about it intelligently. (laughs) Yeah. And one of the things that I I was always impressed with at Max Sales or OWC, if you will, was the people. And I didn't go in every day. I mean, the Woodstock, Illinois facility for me is four, four and a half hour drive. So obviously I even going there on a weekly basis would be difficult. I did for a while, but it was hard, but it was the people that I really enjoyed talking with and seeing. And that's the one thing that you can't see that you can't experience by shopping on their website. I mean, how, how could you, but I think that it's because of those people that the products are so good, that their return policies are so great, that their customer service is what it is. And, you know, you don't usually talk about the people in a company when they're advertising for you or, or you're advertising for them, really, when they're a sponsor. So I did want to give a shout out to the people at OWC because truly they are really good people. I'm, I'm friends with quite a few people on Facebook that I know because of OWC and I know the kind of dedication they have to customer service, and that can't be overstated. I think. No, I think it's few and far between nowadays. Um, that a company that really stands by its products and stands by its whole sales operation, um, as opposed to you know, OWC recognizes that a happy customer 
even if it costs them a little bit of money to, to get them right because they've had a Duff products or anything, that a happy customer is a repeat customer, and that does them that's good business. Uh, and uh, I think it I think it serves them well. I, you know, I've I've bought from in the past, even though it's not so easy for uh, me. Though actually, I got an email from Larry the other day. This was a promotional email, basically saying that um, they are now improving their international sales distribution, uh, and they will have better uh, international sales options and also a way of dealing with tax and import duties and that sort of thing so that you you don't get any nasty surprises if you buy a product from them and it, and it gets shipped overseas in terms of you know you think it's one price and then when it comes you have to pay a big customs charge so i you know that that's the sort of thing that i really appreciate as you know a company that recognizes what their customers need and what their customers want and then does something about it yep and Unfortunately, that's kind of rare nowadays, to be honest. Yeah. So to see a company that sponsors us doing that, that feels good. Yeah. Right now, they've got their uh, Mad March savings going on. Now, I don't know how long this is going to last. March is well, pretty much over after today. Um, yeah. But, you know, they they have sales quite often. So if you listen to this on Friday, and uh, today's what, the 31st? So I don't think there's a 32nd March. So I think today's yeah. it. But you never know. It's coming into the weekend, so they may extend this through the weekend. Uh, they've got some great prices right now. they got Apple Beats by Dr. Dre, uh, the UR Beats 2 headphones with microphone. Those are the in-ear headphones. Those are regular $129, 100, well, 130 bucks. Right now, forty-four seventy-five. So if you need a really good set of ear pods, that's, that's a good way to go right there. That's, that's a nice, but of course, you know, if you've got an iPhone 7, you're going to need an adapter. But that's a different that's a different conversation. Uh but if but uh but they have the over the ear headphones too that are regular two hundred bucks for a hundred and nine dollars. That's a ninety dollar saving. So if you're looking for gear for your iPhone, iPad, Mac, you need storage solutions, you need a new SSD, you need some RAM for that hard drive for that computer, this is the way to go. Um www.maxsales.com Dot com and we want to thank them for their sponsorship. Let's jump right into the uh, feedback we got from Donnie here. Let's do that. So Donnie said to us, Hey guys, I, so I agree and disagree with David's assessment of the iOS app store. Right, just sit on the fence there, yeah. Donnie. Well, yeah, it's, it's a precarious <laughs> balancing act, Donnie. <laughs> I, I, think what, I think what he means is he agrees with some of it and all yeah. of it, so there you go. Yes, freemium games are ruining the store and the game experience. If I find a game is freemium and unplayable unless you play, unless you play, I think he means keep playing, I immediately delete it. I will say there are a few apps that are playable without paying a penny. Of course, this makes it harder to play, but it is doable. I, like you, would much rather pay full price for a game happily than have a freemium game. I'd agree with you both there. Yeah, I would. What I tend to find with the ones that you think that you kind of feel okay. I don't need to. I don't need to pay to play this. Is that eventually you reach a point where advancement is so much of a grind. You have to put so many hours in to keep moving forward that you yeah. kind of give up. Yep. Every every single freemium game, I felt like that. Where um, I thought, okay, I'm not going to pay any money. I'm just going to try working through. Um, I found that uh, yeah, you kind of hit a, hit a wall after about ten, twelve hours, where basically to to make any sort of progress, you need to you know the the level of effort goes up exponentially unless you pay. And sometimes I have paid because I also believe 
with a, with a game if you like it and you, you should pay for got it. a lot out of it you should pay, put some money into it yep. but the problem is is the returns are not good if you could pay it for play it for 12 hours and then pay five ten dollars and then you kind of that that will be enough to get you through to the end of the game or complete the game what have you that'd be fine but the problem is by the time you're that far in no you've got to pay a lot more than that if you want to get real progress yeah so yeah so Donnie also says, on a side note, I think subscription apps, apps, especially on the Mac, are very similar. I will not use Adobe products anymore due to the subscription service, and have gladly paid for quality replacements. That is, that is a, uh, for another day. Yeah, we should we should talk about that sometime. Well, I'll give you a prime example. Uh, I use Photoshop all the time, but it took me a while to get it on a current Mac uh, because I couldn't find my install disk. And then, of course, the iMac that I have right now doesn't have a disk. Uh, but it took me a while to navigate Adobe's site to see the stuff that I've purchased, get my serial numbers, my activation codes there, which is kind of nice that I can do that. And then I downloaded um, Adobe Photoshop again, uh, CS5, and it still works. Now, every time I quit the application, it crashes, which I don't uh, care. A, there is a fix for that. Um, I did a, a, a reinstall of my CS5 recently on a new Sierra machine, and oh, my God, what a pain. Yep. Basically, there are things in Sierra that have broken all of Adobe's installers, and rather than Adobe fix them, they've posted a whole load of archaic workarounds, which involve opening up packages and running terminal scripts and all this sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, no, I'm not talking about installing. You think, you, you I'm think, talking about really? actually running the application and then quitting. When I'm done with yeah. Photoshop, it crashes. Yeah, there's, there's a workaround for that as well, because I found that error. I saw that on my yeah. new installer. I thought, what's going on here? I'll, I'll send you the fix for it. And I'll awesome. Perhaps We'll put it in the show notes as well, because there is a, a, fa- a, a fairly simple way of stopping that from happening. You just have to delete a couple of files. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I found myself... The problem then is, is, is that when you see, okay, Adobe acknowledged that it's now becoming harder and harder to install this very expensive product that you paid for not that long ago... Um, and, and they're still supporting it, they're still, still telling you how to do it. At that point, you start thinking, okay, so they could fix this if they wanted to, but instead what they're doing is they're kind of half, half-heartedly half fixing it, Yeah. but they're hoping that actually you'll find it so much of a hassle that you'll just go and subscribe to the latest version. Yep. Um, but I'll be honest with you, unlike Donnie, I would subscribe to Adobe's, at least Photoshop, maybe Illustrator, um, if I was using them um, professionally. I wouldn't even hesitate. I would, Yeah. I th- I because think it is a good deal. Cool. If you're using it to make, if you're using it to generate money as a tool, then you really should pay for it. Um, and if you're using it enough to justify that, then it's worth doing. I, I, you know, look, what Donnie's worried about is the fact that over the lifetime of these products now, if you pay that subscription month on month on month for five, ten years, then you end up paying a lot more than you would have paid if you just bought a, a licensed copy and used it. Um, the other, I guess, the other thing is, you know, go back to CS5, CS4, your own copies of those. It, it, as long as you can get them installed, they work okay. And there's quite a lot of features in in the current version of Creative Cloud that you, you just don't need. Yep. I mean, if you've got if you if you've got any version of Adobe Pro, the actual Acrobat Pro, the one that actually creates PDFs, yeah, I would say. If you've got anything that was that was released within the last, I think the version I've got is eight, 
Um, there's nothing in the current version really that justifies having that over version 8. It does the same thing. It always does. It's like Office. You know, there's not a lot of new... They, they've kind of solved that problem. There's not a lot else they can just put in there to justify extra money. Well, my replacement for Photoshop when I need it is Pixelmator. I have it. I've yeah. used it. I just find that my brain thinks more like Photoshop because I use Photoshop a lot longer, so I'm conditioned to think that way. And of, co- of course, that's why Adobe went to subscription because they were getting their backsides handed to them by much, much cheaper programs that did most of what uh, Photoshop does. Yeah. So that's why they've gone to subscription to try and add value. And, um, you know, look, it's a different model. Some people like it, some people don't. Um, I kind of, uh, I'm with you, with you on there, Donnie. But anyway, there's one last paragraph he said for. Back to the iOS store. This might not be a disagreement, but maybe a more of a supporting argument. To go with the freemium apps, there are way too many. Matchery style bejeweled games in the app store now too. Not only are there too many, but most of these games, these are most of the games that Apple features on the main screen. How about some originality? How about some spins you can put on a match three game? By the way, most of these are freemium too. Yeah, I, you know, again, I can't, I can't disagree. I think, I think, uh, Donnie and I are definitely in the same place here. Is there's two, there's everybody, as soon as something does well, everybody just cashes in on it. Used to be the, um, the retro-style 8-bit pixel games. Yep. Um, the success of stuff like Crossy Road means that the, the app store is now full of things with an isometric 3D and a blocky style, a bit like Minecraft. Yeah, but you know what? This isn't mobile games. This is the game industry in general. I mean, if you look on oh, yeah. the, P- uh, P- the PS4, you look on Xbox, they're all either derivative of what it's a first-person shooter, it's wartime, it's... it's, it's that that's nothing new. I don't know if it's ruining it. I don't know if there are too many because the crappy ones are going to fall away and the good ones are going to endure. They're going to get better and they may inspire. You really like Bejeweled? Well, here's a new game. It's like Bejeweled, but it's even better and boom, it gets huge. So I don't know. I mean, I would love it if they, if more developers took chances on more original ideas, but you know, we don't get there if, if, we don't also get the retreads. I guess it's I, I guess it's always been this way with the creative industries. The, well, the ones that that make money anyway. Yeah, the look at Pac Man. TV as well is the same. You you know you get one thing that's successful. You get a whole load of clones of copy. Sure, and that, that's why I said look at Pac Man. Remember when Pac Man came out? There was nothing like it, and within a year, there was a thousand maze games, eating dots and chasing bad guy. I mean. It was all over the place. So th- this is nothing new. It's it's always been like this. And, and this is in, uh, let's be honest, any and every entertainment industry. Movies, superheroes get big because of Marvel. Now everyone's doing superhero movies. Um, I, don't, I don't see it changing anytime soon. That's just kind I, of human I, no. nature in some respects. The problem with freemium is that uh, a lot of people don't like it, and yet it works. The reason that there's so many freemium games is just because it works. Even if your game is bad, um, if it has some nice graphics and it can get a little bit of buzz, maybe get that promotion on the front page of, of the App Store, um, enough people will download it and then throw money into it to make it worthwhile for doing that. Otherwise, there would not be so many of them. And I think the Apple reason- is the culprit of the rise of the freemium model and it being so broken because they didn't allow demo when the iOS app store first opened, if they would have just allowed developers to have 
demos of their software, where it's production software, whether it's navigation, whether it's games, a demo where you can use it for a timed amount of time or a certain levels in games or certain features in navigation, say just, you know, one state, um, and that you could then buy the real one. There could be a link right there. You like this? Click here to buy the full version. That worked for many, many years on the software side on computers. Many years. Yeah, it did. I think, but having said that, I think the reason that freemium rose in the mobile space is because they were run, all of a sudden these software was running on an always connected computer, whereas in the old days it wasn't. I think it's a combination. I, I, I agree with you, but I think it's a combination of those two factors. I don't think freemium would be the thing it is right now without Apple disallowing demo. Uh, yeah, I think as well. The the other the other factor to that though is that um, kind of Apple. I, I, it's hard to say. Did Apple create this problem by allowing so many ninety nine cent apps? But basically, the the prob one of the other problems is is the pricing of apps was a race to the bottom, and once you got to the bottom, you couldn't make money. The th the reason that people love freemium so much in the business is because you can make real. I mean, big money. On, on an app um, using freemium where you you just can't make money by having an app that's premium priced. That's true. You know, a 12, no matter how, it doesn't matter how great it is. It could be the world's greatest piece of software. Yeah, if you sell it at twelve ninety nine on the app store, it's it's not going to sell. And um, I, I don't think the that... The thing is you can, make, you can make per download far yes. more than that sort of money. Yes. If with Candy Crush Saga or something like that just by having a freemium model. And, and that's why people do it. And then you look at the console games where they don't have a freemium model. There isn't a Nintendo Switch game or a PS4 game that you could download for free and then just spend a lot more money. Now, they do have stuff like Season Passes, but that just basically, it's kind of a freemium model, but you still had to pay for the full game, and you don't need that to really experience the whole game. It just adds more to it. Um, but it, the freemium model never really came to consoles, and I think... I don't know if it ever will, because, again, like you said, it would be a race to the bottom. And that's not in the best interest of Nintendo or Sony or Microsoft. It just isn't. No. So, well, I think financially, the problem is the development costs of a, of a AAA title just would not support that, because you need the money. You need to bank the money up front. You need that big hit. You need to, It's basically it's the movie model, isn't it? You know, you need to drop millions of dollars in development and then millions of dollars into marketing and you're banking on the fact that the thing sells enough in the first few weeks that you make a lot of that money back. Right. Uh, otherwise, you've got, you know, a huge financial problem on your hands. Whereas freemium is, is kind of different. Freemium is, is like a long tail. You know, it's like a revenue. It's like creating a revenue stream. Exactly. Yep. You know. So finally, uh, you put this in the show notes for last week's show, but we never actually got to it. So let's let's talk about this to wrap up this episode. Yeah, this is this is well, I titled this USBC: How to Take a Great Idea and Botch It. Yep. Uh, and, and there's a link here to a guy. Anybody who's who's remotely interested in USBC may have heard of this guy. A guy called Benson Lung, and he works for Google. Um, and he started. He he. he post all this stuff in Google+, Plus, which is horrible. <laughs> really, really horrible. But, you know, he works for Google, so that's why he does it. He he basically, he had the second generation um, Google Pixel laptop, the Chromebook. The very expensive Chromebook. 
um, and the second generation was actually um, I think it came out in 2015 round about the same time as the original uh, 12-inch MacBook. So those were the two computers that basically charged over USB-C. Right. Uh, the Pixel, I think, had two USB-C ports, whereas the MacBook only has one. Um, and what Benton found at the time is that there was a lot of really crappy USB-C cables out there that didn't conform with the USB-C spec. And one of them actually destroyed his laptop. He plugged it in to charge it, uh, and it shorted something out and killed the power input on his laptop. So he started systematically testing USB-C cables and USB-C devices and then posting here on his Google Plus page the results of those tests. And lots and lots of fairly big names in the kind of the cable space were found to have USB-C cables that were either, you know, a little bit away from the spec or a long way away from the spec. The long ones are a long way away. The cheaper they are, the, the, these Chinese ones, are actually genuinely dangerous. They could not only destroy your device, but cause it to catch fire and everything as well. Uh, and so I was aware of this, and uh, I, I think I mentioned it briefly on last week's show. I've had an opportunity to play around with a 12-inch MacBook over the last few weeks. We've got one in for a project here at work, and um, so I've, I've had an opportunity to use it. And, and you know, once I've used it a little bit more, I will talk about it here on the show. But because I needed to buy some accessories for it, uh, for this project we've got, I started looking into what, you know, what are the options with cables and everything, and I very quickly found out about Benson's page and, and this sort of thing. But then I found some stuff that's more disturbing. Um, because USB-C, they... It's kind of the standard equivalent of lightning. It has a it has a tiny little connector that can go in upside down, left or you know, you, it's it's independent about which way it goes in, um, and that's all great. But then what you find out is that depending on the particular specification of the cable, depends on what it can do. So you can get a cable that will just charge. You can get a cable that will charge and do USB 2 data transfer. Then you can get a, a cable that will do USB 3.1 data transfer. And then there's what's now called a full-featured cable, which does um, variable voltage power delivery and uh, up to 10 gigabits of USB 3.1. The problem is, apart from the tiny, obscure little logos that the spec says need to be put onto these cables to illustrate what they are, and these things aren't, aren't printed on, they're normally like embossed into the plastic, so it's black on black. There is absolutely no way of you being able to tell what kind of spec of cable you have. And so <laughs> they've taken this great idea of a single cable that can do everything, because USB, uh, um, USB Type-C can do video, it can do power, it can do data transfer, um, it can do all sorts of stuff. You can run Thunderbolt through it. Um, and they've kind of screwed it up by basically saying, okay, we're not going to differentiate the plugs in any way at all except for a tiny invisible logo that nobody knows what it means. And so people are going to plug cables in and not know whether it's going to work or do what they want. Um, and actually buying the things is a complete nut and nightmare because you, when, you go, when you buy them online, you never know what you're getting. Yep. And, and uh, really the mind boggles about how dumb this is. What would have been the harm of, of actually colour-coding the, the plugs? So you actually you always knew which type of plug you've got. And the thing is, you've got a bundle of these, you're going to put labels on them, because otherwise you're not going to know what they are. Or you've got to decide, well, I'm always going to have to try and buy 
you know the the most fully featured one I can, so I always get the best results. Um, you know, and and that's even before you start getting on the charges. If you want to charge a USB C laptop with a USB C charger, you'll find that half of the chargers out there out there are only rated powerful enough to charge phones. Right. And so you plug that into into a MacBook, and it will trickle charge, and it will take 24 hours to fully charge it. Yep. And again, you don't really know unless you're an electrical engineer and you really understand the specs. And and there's a lot of unsophisticated users that think yeah. that's okay. They don't. They have no idea that it's charging on a trickle charge. That instead of being charged in an hour and a half to two hours, it's taking 12 to 14 hours. Yeah. Well, my computer just takes that long to charge. No, it doesn't. It doesn't take that well, it's, long. It's worse than that because with some of these laptops, if you if you have a charger that's not powerful enough, then even if it's plugged in and you're using it, it will the battery will be slowly decreasing in charge. Yep. Because you're not getting enough out of the cables or even power the computer to keep it running while you're using it. Correct. It really can only be charged when the computer's turned off. Yep. And again, you've no way of knowing that, and and it's just like, how can the industry keep doing this same thing over and over again? USB-C is supposedly the future, and actually, it's it's a complete fiasco. Yeah, it's 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 actually, in in theory, correct. It should be the future. It should solve many of the problems that people like you and I have every day with all these different kind of cables and charging. Blah 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 blah. blah. In practice, it's worse than anything. It, it's it's yeah. terrible, and it will it can literally destroy your devices because. There's just no oversight. There's no governing body. Well, oh, yeah, there is, except, oh, guess what? They're not enforcing anything. No, and, and also the decisions they make are, you know, first of all, you, if, you've got that, if you've got the specification, make sure everybody knows what the specification is. Publish it properly. Publish it in simple language. And then, yeah, build into the specification things that make it easy for people to use, like color-coded cables. Like, I mean, one of the advantages of having ports that only take certain types of cables is you can make sure you don't plug the wrong thing into it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a sad state of affairs, I'm sorry to say. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, I'm buyer beware. If you if you are interested, because uh, obviously there can be more of a problem now, because the MacBook, the 12-inch MacBook is, I would imagine, is a fairly niche device. The Chromebook Pixel certainly was, and is no longer manufactured. But now all of Apple's laptops get USB-C on. This is going to be... Oh, that, and of course, you're going to get the thing. I think I'm pretty sure with the... Uh, with Certainly with some PC laptops I've seen that have USB-C on them, um, you'll find that some of the USB-C ports will take charge. Others won't. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and again, I've seen that myself. Like, so USB-C is hard work, and I'm, I'm just kind of public service announcement for all of our listeners. Be aware that if you get to USB-C, you're going to need to do yourself some education to figure out what's going on. And it's, um, you know, just simp- the simple thing of buying a cable off Amazon now becomes like um, an, an hour's worth of detailed review before you end up getting the thing that you, you think you want. Or just get it from MacSales.com. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, Mac. I mean, the, at least the advantage of Mac sales is you can call them up and they'll help you. Yeah. Um, you know, so you tell them what you want and they'll they'll make sure you get the right cable. So again, going back to the customer service aspects of it, that's part of the advantage with them. Uh, lastly, David, have you seen uh, Logan yet? I have not. You got to um, see this movie. I did. I, I, just before we get into that, I did see last weekend the Power Rangers movie. Yeah. You liked it. And. Um, 
I heard it's basically say, a superhero movie. It is, but my wife and I, we took the kids. Both the kids have, have, you know, watched the Power Ranger TV series, and my daughter in particular, my eight-year-old daughter, is, is in the past that we got got quite obsessed with it, even though it was basically the same the same story every episode. Yes. Um, uh, and the movie's very much like that. Don't get me wrong, but I have to say, as a, a kind of an up, upgraded reboot, my wife and I were both relatively impressed. It actually has some depth to it. This thing, it's not just pap. Um, and actually, you know, we enjoyed it. We had a good time. And there's quite a lot of uh, reboot movies now. As you go on to, you think, really, why did they bother? This actually was worthwhile. So, um, yeah. I, I, Thumbs up for Power Rangers, then, from you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but Logan, though. I, you know, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. Uh, let me put this on the note. Power Rangers gets a thumbs up. I spelled thumbs wrong. I forgot the M. Thumbs up from David and and Tim says Logan, one of the top three all-time great superhero movies. And so you can see it right in the show notes. This was, you remember how impactful The Dark Knight was? With mm-hmm. Heath Ledger's Joker and the storyline and just it, the whole, the atmosphere of this was just so good. But yet it was still a, a very, very big budget movie. Yeah. Logan, I don't know what the budget was. I don't even care. It doesn't feel like a big budget movie. It almost feels not indie, but yeah, you know, just a movie. But it's yep. so good. It respects the history that's come before. It takes place in the future, but not too far in the future. And Hugh Jackman, he, for our for us, he will always be Wolverine. Yeah. But this is taking that character to a level he's never taken it before. I've never seen him this good in this or any other role. This is Hugh Jackman's finest performance. And on top of that, Patrick Stewart is just the man. I mean, he is so brilliant in this role as a Professor X at the end. And it's so good. There's a trailer that uses Hurt from Johnny Cash. As the soundtrack to the trailer. I don't know if you've seen that or not. Yeah, I've seen it. That trailer, I would say, is the perfect trailer for this movie. It doesn't really give anything away, but it really, really sets the tone of what this movie really is. I know that the some of it was kind of based on Old Man Logan, but yeah. it, it doesn't feel like it at all. They, they took the basic idea that, well, it's Logan and he's old now. And they ran with it and it takes that. What was great about the dark night, that atmosphere that, and they, and it, it, I don't want to say it improves it, but it's on par with it. I mean, I've, as I say, I've not seen the movie yet, but I think one of the things for me that interests me about this, about this film is that unlike many superhero films, um, it is. Its first, the primary objective is not to set up the next movie. 
It is a self-contained story. Yep. Um, and I think those are the superhero movies that work best. I totally um, agree. Uh, even even the Marvel Cinematic Universe ones, they one of the things that they get right is while they will have callbacks to other films and they will uh, put things in motion for the phases of, of the um, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, each one themselves are self-contained stories. Whereas um, you know some of the some of the things we've talked about recently, like uh, like the DC Bat- Batman versus Superman and everything, you can see it sticks out like a sore thumb where things have been tuned in, tuned in to try and build the franchise. Yes, um, and of course, you know that doesn't serve the movie. No, uh, I think I think the the brilliant approach that that uh, you know obviously I've read some of the some of the non spoiler reviews, Logan. The brilliant approach they decided to take with this is to do something that is a standalone X Men movie uh, and is not looking to serve other parts of X-Men in the in the movies um, no, directly. No, and, and more than that, what Fox did here is they said, look at the success that we had with Deadpool. It, it, it's a superhero movie, but it's not for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you would never let a child watch Deadpool. You probably don't want a child to watch Wolverine either. Because it's violent. I mean, that yeah, was one I, of the I, things about Wolverine in the X-Men movies was he would go on his, you know, claws come out. But, okay, sure. And you still let your kids watch because it wasn't really, you know. Yeah, it was, this, it was like stabbing plastic wow. dolls. Right. But, no, that's not the case here. No. And, and, I, and again, I, you know, if you think about it, that makes sense. Oh, this sure. Guy, this is a guy who has... <laughs> unbreakable razor unbreakable razor yeah. sharp claws coming out in the back of his hand yeah, what do you think that's going to do if he puts his fist against someone's head and pops them I mean exactly you yeah. see and, in this movie a, many a friend times of mine, a friend of mine who I spoke to recently who has seen it who did, who did enjoy it he did comment he said oh it's very very gory yeah um, but you know what I think again but the gory parts of that movie actually serve the story. It's not gratuitous well, at do. all. Of course they do. It's because so that's good. What the character is about. He's, yes. he's, a, he's a, a kind of on the edge killer. He always has been. Yep. Um, and on obviously for a kid friendly movie, they can't kind of show it like that, and they have to dial him back. Yeah. Um, it's they, it's they, really good, man. You you. But I, for me, yeah, the measure of a success of a superhero movie nowadays is if it, the fewer tie-in toys it has, the better. Oh, well, there's not going to be no toys on this one. <laughs> What, you mean I can't get a Logan uh, Happy Meal? Mm, probably not. But, you know, it's it's not that it's a rated R movie. And I think a lot of reviews and a lot of commentary that I've read online kind of focus on, look, you could do R-rated movies now, a superhero genre. And that's because of Deadpool. Well, yes and no, but I think you're missing the point. I think what Deadpool is allowing some of these creators to do with some of these characters in the superhero universes is tell mature adult stories exactly. with those characters and not just say naughty words and and show naughty things. It's, yeah, it's allowing the characters and the stories to grow as they needed to. We can't keep having the same type of movie over and over and over. And, and you know, call back to what to, to something you open with. You look at The Dark Knight. I mean, one of the, one of the reasons that that works so well is because it, it took itself... Um, extremely seriously, it did not compromise what it was trying to do. I mean, the Joker in The Dark Knight, uh, Heath Ledger's performance, one of the reasons it worked so well was because he was nasty. Yeah. 
He was no, a, he, he wasn't a jokey, ha ha, funny guy. Yeah, exactly. He was like you know, this guy is crazy, and that's crazy like, and he could kill you any minute. Yep. Uh, you know, and um, that's the whole point of that character. Yeah. And uh, and uh, of course, you know, the brilliant thing it does is it is it counterpoints the uh, the 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 idea of a savior of a city being either the vigilante or or the or you know, kind of the the politician. I mean, that's one of the things it, it plays with during the movie. Yeah. Um, is the city really good? Are the people really good? Or are they just on the brink and you're just keeping them from yeah. falling is, over? Is, ba- is Batman as a vigilante? Is he saving the city or is he actually part of the problem? Yeah. Uh, you know, that is, that's an interesting, mature conversation to have in a story. Correct. And now, they don't do no that in Logan. Don't get me wrong. There isn't an overarching, you know he is a good guy and he it, that's not what this movie's about it's a very oh. simple story of the f- moving forward yeah. and things well, end and and yeah. characters matter more than setting up the new franchise more than the next spin-off movie it, it, the characters matter and the direction that they took with this movie Logan in art and acting and directing um, and maybe even as important as marketing made this one of the best movies. I personally think Patrick Stewart should, should get a nomination in the Academy Awards for his performance of Professor X and he should never, ever, ever do the role again. After this one, he should absolutely not do it ever, ever again, nor should Hugh Jackman ever revisit the role of Wolverine. It's time to hand it off to a different actor when they eventually reboot it. Um, you, you won't want to see, you want to, I mean, there's, there's been rumors that maybe they'll try and get uh, Wolverine into the second Deadpool movie. You, you could do it that. simply because Logan actually takes place in the future and Deadpool mm-hmm. isn't. So he could revisit the role and they've, keep teasing this back and forth and him holding up you know when at the end of deadpool when they take his mask off and he's got that picture plastered to his face of hugh jackman i think it would be better if it's simply hugh jackman showing up in it yeah it it, it, i I don't want to see wolverine anymore this is the definitive wolverine movie at least up till now Mm mm-hmm you can't do better than this. I hate saying that, but you really can't do better than this. It's the pinnacle of this character. I would love it if they simply did not touch the character again for five to eight years. Yeah. They won't do that. You know what? I think, I think that would be a good thing because one of the things that I think first class, uh, X-Men first class showed is that if you have Wolverine in the movie, he dominates the movie. Yeah. You know, he's too central. And, um, one of the, one of the great things I've always thought about about the X-Men comics is the fact that there are so many different characters with different powers and different abilities and different motivations and everything. And, you know, one of Wolverine's problems, if you want to say is a, a, a problem of the character, is that, he, is that he's, his, his backstory is too well known. And, and he, if, you're not, if you don't play it well, he becomes very one-dimensional. Yeah. Well, you know. You, I, I encourage anybody who... Don't take your kids, number one. But number two, <laughs> if you want a movie that when it's over, you go, wow, that was really good. Go see Wolverine or go see Logan. It, it is a fantastic movie on every level. 
I can't wait to own it. This will be one that I will buy. It's that good. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. Again, we'd love it if you send in some feedback. Uh, it is the show at techfanpodcast.com or go to mymac.com, techfanpodcast.com, Facebook, Twitter. Send us a message. We'll read your messages right here on the show. Uh, David, I'll see you next week. See you then. <laughs>